Hello, welcome to a Platchat region preview. This is where we're previewing various teams from specific regions around the world as they meet together to play in Masters 2 at Iceland in Reykjavik. Um, today we're going to do South America. So we've brought on a vast, our South American expert. He speaks Portuguese, he speaks Spanish. Yep. He's, <laughs> he's deeply ingrained with the scene as well. Uh, give, me, give me your best Spanish, please, Avast. Uh, Donde estas la biblioteca? Is that where's the library? Where's the library? Okay. Uh, me amo Connor. Uh, <laughs> okay. me, uh, I think it's like mi pantalones es in fuego. Or I, I don't think, know what that, that means. Is on fire, right? Es, es in fuego. Es in fuego. I mean, like that. I have no idea. I think Bala does speak Spanish, right? So Bala's just yeah, sat there. I'm not fluent, but yeah. Just losing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Um, I want to start with the region overall. The way that we've done these previously is kind of tackling the region's expectations and what we, what we think the overall narrative is around kind of South America. We've lumped in Latin America with Brazil here as well, but we can tackle them separately if we feel like the storylines are significantly different. What do, you, what do you think the big focus is for Brazil coming into Iceland or South America as a region overall? I think if they can match up to the hype that is placed around them from not only just watching them and their aggressive play style, but also history and their success in TAC FPS in general, right? Because Brazil is a region that has had success with MIBR and CSGO. And I mean, there's the Immortals lineup that made a, a major final and then they're cool. fantastic in Rainbow Six. I'm not sure Plus about Overwatch, well. but yeah, they're nuts. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think it's, we should separate uh, the regions, right? Though, Josh, yeah. I feel like they're we should separate Brazil from like sort of like LATAM, okay. you know, because I feel like the expectations are a bit different between the two in okay. my mind, in my but eye, in my describe mind. Describe you know? it to me then, Connor. Why, why do you think that the expectations are different? <laughs> I mean, because I think everyone came in like we've been hyping up Brazil for a long time on this podcast. We've garnered quite a Brazilian fan base because of it. Um, and so, and we've all, and we've seen the potential in Brazil. And I would say for Latam, we haven't really spent nearly as much time talking no, about. No. And on top of that, when we saw, when I at least watched like their challenger finals and a couple, and a lot of their matches, I see as Josh teleports between two different areas. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like the overall level of play is way lower, I think, mm. in Latam generally. Like the, by far the best team coming out of this region is, is, is KRU, is crew. So. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think um, to, for me, the whole region overall from South America is uh, it's a little similar to Europe, but it's like proving themselves on the world stage, proving that they're worthy of attention and um, are able to compete and, and, and get, up to, um, get up to the skill level of everybody else to show, show that their region has uh, talented individuals there. Um, and draw attention towards them. I think that's what they're, they're essentially playing for. I've been enjoying watching Brazil. I think it's extremely, it's an extremely fun region to watch. Um, it doesn't have the same number of teams, the same depth of teams and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's a great region. And then LATAM's, I think almost everybody was expecting LATAM to field probably the worst team or maybe like a bottom three team coming into the tournament. And it turns out that crew looks competent, much more competent than we were expecting and much more competent than the other LATAM teams as well. They're in really in a tier of their own when it comes to competition, both in LATAM South and LATAM North. Uh, so yeah, 
uh, an interesting one. I I think we start with uh, with Brazil with Vikings and and uh, and begin there. For anyone who hasn't been following this team, what do they need to know about the the narratives of Vikings? Formed at the beginning of this year, an attempt at building a Brazilian super team. What else would you guys say? What's the story of Vikings so far? Yeah, uh, I think it's similar to Ascend in a way. Um, not Ascend, actually, Heretics, where it's slightly different timelines, but they get built up to this, this, this super team and they just absolutely stomp all the way through. Um, and they win Masters 1, they win Challengers Finals in pretty good fashion as well against some of the uh, the most hype Brazilian teams, uh, like Gamelanders, like Furia, all basically they beat everybody um, to get here. So I think it's continuing to build on that momentum going forward. And and yeah, I think they're a good representative for Brazil. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would agree with that. I think the thing that's also very crazy about them is that I feel like they've Vikings has has sort of broken the mold too of what mm. we think of Brazilian teams, right? Like. We're expecting this ultra aggressive, like what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Furia and Gamelanders type of yeah. play style. And even Sharks, I think, would fall under that. Uh, but like Vikings feels different. It feels like a much more measured team when you watch them play, and they feel a lot more flexible in their approach to the game than a lot of the other teams that were at the top of Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think that's a, a really key point as well, is that they're not just... This isn't just brainless aggression and trying to hit shots, which yeah. it felt like Brazil was for a while, where, okay, the utility usage was good, but they, were, they basically just played one tempo, which was fast and aggressive. Yeah, they're going to run at you. Can you hold them off? If so, they'll run to the other side, essentially. Um, <laughs> and that's still how some of the teams play, but it's definitely not how Vikings play. Um, and... That's yeah. kind of like how Brazil was perceived in, in, yeah. and for good reason. But I think a lot of people still expect that when because of how many, you know, people have talked about it globally, about how Brazil is crazy aggressive and no team is going to be able to know how to fight against it. So when you watch Vikings, it's it's not going to be like that. And so you, you when you have this reaction of like, this isn't what I thought Brazil. I thought Brazil was aggressive. This is nothing. This team sucks. You know? <laughs> That's sure, probably sure. going to be the reaction for a lot of people who watch uh, Vikings at Iceland for the first time. But in reality, it's more like set, more like an NA team, to be honest. Sure, yeah, they do, they do play quite a bit like an NA team as well. I guess that takes us to the, the team's style overall. This team has been playing a lot of uh, Phoenix Rays recently. They've kind of moved mm -hmm. away from the Jet, which was synonymous with the Brazilian region too. Um, yeah, they don't really have... I would say that this team is not so much powered by their duelists. Like a lot of the other Brazilian rosters, um, the team they're playing against right here, Furia, uh, they have two cracked out duelist players in Shandy and Quick who are just going to do some bonkers shit all over the map. Whereas Vikings, to me, it's much more about um, FRZ and GTN putting the rest of the team in good positions to close out the rounds. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're a much more well-rounded team. There's firepower all across the board. Uh, and it's yeah, it's a team effort. It's not just the duelists plus three supportive players. Their their highest ACS player actually is Sassy, um, who's yeah, I mean probably just the best player on their roster as well. Yeah, yeah. His Go ability ahead, to 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 zone with shocks 
is unreal. Like to be able to, he just forces people out of positions more than I think any other Sova, especially on defense, um, which is really exciting to see because like if you watch Bind, for example, the way that he's just like stopping them from getting into the space, into default plant positions and forcing them to plant in weird spots is all because of Sasi's ability to really pressure them without even being there as Sova, which honestly, I don't think I've seen that quality in, in anybody else. Mm. He's also, what I like about Sassy is he's very active as well. He's he's able to be in, in the right position for a lot of different engagements because he'll sit at the back of the, back of the pack, throw out utility, but when he needs to get involved in the fight, he's going to push forwards and get involved and, and be part of his team's hit onto a site too. He's not just going to always stay towards the back or play passively. He's, he's very confident to take game duels as well. Yeah, that's exactly I was going to say is like because he's such a hyped up player, too, with just his like background and such. But he he feels a lot to me like a, like one of those extremely aggressive European Sova players. Like, I guess, like maybe like JD. I think JD was JD a Sova, right? I think JD or is he playing mostly Sage for his team? Mostly? I think JD did I play Sova on one of the maps. I think JD played Sova yeah. for them on um, on Bind. Um, but yeah, someone that's like probably Shao an unfair comparison. Well. That's, yeah, yeah, that would be probably closer. That's an unfair comparison because JD hasn't seen enough time on it. But like, he just, I feel like a lot of times we're used to Silva players being not passive necessarily. Like they're not all Hiko, but they're generally a much more, they're much slower. They're just a little bit slower tempoed just because of their role and they're trying to get so much information. But it does not feel that way with Vikings and how he plays in the team. He feels like he is like a fragger. Like he can entry even on yeah. Silva at times. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the guy's history as well, though, because you mentioned it, that he's a hyped-up player. He was a former League of Legends um, pro player. I think they won, they, they, went to, they, won a, they won the Brazilian title and ended up going to Worlds or something, but he was a benched player at the time. He was talking to us when we did a, a back chat interview, and I believe that's correct. I don't follow League of Legends. Um, and he had to play in the final or something. So he has a lot of fans that know him from that, of like know him as a MOBA player, as a League of Legends player. And it's crazy that he's able to actually perform this well in a game that's about aiming this heavily. He, he played a lot of CS when he was younger too, and he, he, he said that that was his, his passion before he moved into League of Legends, that he wanted to just kind of find a game that he could succeed in because Brazil um, is so, so dominated by League of Legends as well. Uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely the most popular player on the team, I think, and a big figure within Brazil and the Brazilian region too. Um, but this team doesn't just have Brazilians; it's it's a it really is like a South American team. They have Sadak on the team as well, who is their IGL, um, and he's Argentinian. He's had to learn to speak Portuguese in order to IGL for this team, which blows my mind. That that's a thing. <laughs> that's crazy, right? Like, I can't imagine doing that. I know the languages are somewhat similar. They're, like, related. But still, that's, that really is an undergoing. That's a task. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, I think there's actually a couple players who are going to be similar to that. Like, the Korean guys on the Japanese teams. But, yeah, didn't he, like, didn't he do this switch multiple times? Didn't he do this in, like, CS or something like that? Like, he, his his... his first thing was that there was nobody in Argentina who really played like no good team so he had to switch over to Brazil to play yes, I think in he was CS saying I, th I think he was saying that in Paladins though wasn't he or something Oh Paladins yeah that's yeah. The, that's the game yeah 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 That's crazy to me so he just yeah. does it again um which yeah. I don't know does that, if that speaks to Latam or what or just because he wants to be on a successful team which is yeah. really cool Yeah 
Yeah, he's a really smart career move. That's a smart career move, though. Like learning, uh, learning the language of a region that's far bigger than you, like for competition is like, that's just smart. That's just smart business right there. Yeah. It definitely is. Um, in terms of how this team um, looks as well on various different maps, you got to say, I think that this team has a very well-rounded map pool. Like they, they look, they look strong. They look strong everywhere. I think the only question is whether they look any good on split, which seems to be a common theme for a lot of these teams heading to Iceland, is how do they look on split? We've got questions about the European teams there. We've got questions about um, uh, who's the other team that we were I mean, Sentinels well. looks odd on split. Sure, I Sentinels mean, looks a little strange there. Um, Fanatics just in general, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Crew Sharks don't well. look good on split. Yeah, crew look, <laughs> crew look good, but I mean, like the thing is, there's only one team I can think of that's actually good at split, and it's like version one, <laughs> and like now the rosters changed. So. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a, that's a big question because I think they've only played split once so far this year. So that's definitely going to be a, a um a wonder of whether they're going to ban that or whether they're going to leave it open for other teams to try and test it out. I think it's it's pretty interesting. But they're also the team in Brazil that's been playing the most uh, of Astra and that kind of stuff. Um, Astra, Viper, they've, they're actually one of the Brazilian teams that started to integrate the new meta more so than the others. I still wouldn't say, though, that they play hardcore with it in the same way that, like, version yeah. 1 does or Fnatic or, or Liquid. Is that, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. They're, they're not trying to, like, abuse the ridiculous silliness of, of Astra or anything like that by comboing her with literally every agent like version 1 does. Is that worrying? Um, is that worrying? Uh no, I don't think so. I don't think you need to go full gimmick. Uh, and I, I think the fact that they aren't full committing to it is is telling to me that it's probably not as good as everybody is thinking. It's not like, a, a you know, you put out the card and you just straight up win. Yeah, right. Uh, because right, I right. think that these guys are like a well-prepped and well-read and like know the meta very well. Um, I think it is worrying on some maps, though. Like some of the maps that they're not like even experimenting although we could see changes but like icebox for example like still playing omen and um everybody's basically saying in na like what the hell like when they were watching the 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 qualifying matches because it happened a week later they're all like well what is brazil doing with still still playing omen and yeah. vikings is one of the teams who was who was doing that but only in particular maps yeah i uh i gotta say as well frz this guy who's come um, out of Paladins as well, I believe. Mm. He he His aim when I watch him, when he's using running backs, I don't know whether this is a highlight clip or what, but his aim reminds me of Prime Drone for any North American fans, where he just flicks onto people when he's in his ult, and he's like a laser beam to their heads. He has some nasty good aim, and... Uh, yeah, I think the the Phoenix quality in general from that guy is is very high, even though they're not really a team that's powered by their duelists. He's definitely a player to watch. That is a concern for me, though, is like their omen usage, in my opinion, because I like I don't think Astro is an insta win. I think there are definitely places where omen can get a lot of value, especially when you're like comboing, you're choosing to play omen with like a different controller, maybe or like a different style, but. I don't think you have to go full gimmick, but I, I feel like teams are going to be leveled up. They would have leveled up their after play by the time Iceland happens. Sure. And sir, in terms of how they're using their her utility and such, and like how you're using it to just like take early map control or set up a very early play in particular off the gravity well. So I do wonder um, 
if their usage of Omen might hinder them a bit in the meta. Because uh, though overall, I'm not that worried about it because I feel like Vikings was still, out of all the Brazilian teams, the most ahead on the meta okay. um, by far. What are, you, what are your expectations for Vikings coming in? What would be considered a disappointment? What would be considered an overperformance? Only why it was here. He could, he could do, but the thing is, is like, I, well, he would say what he would think and it would be, it would not echo with mine, but like, I think, I think Vikings aiming for top four is like a very realistic goal Okay. for them. Okay. Um, that's a very realistic goal that I have for them. I would say an overperformance would be making it to grand finals. Sure. Uh, yeah. And then an underperformance would be not making top four. Okay. Right. So even if they, you know, even if they lose to Fnatic, but then they make a run through the lower bracket and end up losing to, I don't know, Sentinels or Liquid or whoever else is down there, as long as they finish in the top four and they only lose to tier one teams, that's yeah. your, that's your like that's, that's baseline. That's what I'm feeling with them. Yeah. Similar yeah. stuff. I, I think I agree with that. I think their peak is winning um, straight up. Like, I think they have the ability to do that. Uh, top four seems right. I think as long as they play well against the top teams as long as they don't get bombed against the uh, against some of those teams then i'm yeah. i'm probably pretty happy with them in general like if they're very close games um because who knows they could go like straight up and then well they're playing who x10 first and then probably yeah. sentinels fanatic yeah so yeah they, they have a high likelihood of, of probably getting towards top four not that difficult i think the lower bracket will be determinate for them sure yeah i i, I think this is a an exceedingly fun team to watch as well. I'm rooting for them. My expectations are pretty similar to you guys. Like top four is a minimum for them. I think, mm -hmm. you know, it would be wonderful to see them win. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, I don't same. think it's, I don't think it's that likely, but I do think it's like a, a, a thing that could occur. It would be an over, it would be above my expectations, but I, I could see, I could see a world in which that happened and all of their players were really popping off. They're, they're, kind of i don't want to say lan proven because i don't know whether they all of their players have had a huge amount of experience but i know that they've played at like a decent level a lot of them before when it comes to uh when it comes to some of them in counter-strike like gtn some of them in uh, paladins like sadak and fiz some of them in league of legends like sassy like they have experience as top level pros within their region so yeah. it feels very unlikely to me that they would underperform at a lan event it feels much more likely that they would be one of the teams to overperform along with maybe some team like sentinels and that is a question for some of the other teams so if it ends up coming down to like have you got the grit when it comes to lan yeah this team could could go on some kind of crazy run am i right it, in thinking that we're yeah sorry about go on historically the brazilian teams have had a lan buff like every right, single right. team that i can think of has been ridiculous on land all the way back to the original mibri 1.6 right like every time they showed up to an international event be like everybody would jaw drops all around yeah, it's just yeah. like every major player out of brazil has you know kogu you think of fallen you think of um cold zera literally yeah, yeah, all yeah. of them are land players most of all and when it does move to online errors they actually kind of struggle a little bit so yeah i think the fact that that is, you know, the, the type of people who Brazil grew up watching, the Brazilians are, are, you know, fans of. And the fact that I think that um, they've actually had a, a LAN. Like, the first strike was a Brazilian LAN, if I, if I remember correctly. I don't think Not it that actually these guys are all playing servers, here. but... Um, no, it wasn't. But, but still, yes. I mean, that environment is, is different. Um, yeah. First strike was, Masters 1 was as well. And I... 
Yeah, I I don't think this don't challenge think is final. Was. No, no, I don't think so. But I do know that the Latam teams played at a LAN. Crew yes. and Infinity played. I, I'm I'm using the word LAN here to mean in-person <laughs> stage environment, right? Yeah. But yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, let's move on to talking about uh, Team Sharks because this is who they're playing against right here in this clip. And this, I don't know whether this is the finals. Yes, this is. This is the finals of Challengers Finals because Sharks came out and managed to beat them on a ascent, which was their, their opening match. Um, Sharks really were the only team to put up a fight against Vikings, but it wasn't that much of a fight. They were just able to come back and, and beat them on one of the maps because they got a good read on what Vikings were doing, I think, when it came to Ascent the second time around. They, they are the second team coming out of the Brazilian region. I know We've just done our episode, and the people that have watched our episode, where Avas was saying, he's not so high on the Sharks. <laughs> tell me, tell me what your overall thoughts are on this team. What's the wh why? Why don't you have the same level of confidence or excitement that you do about Vikings? Oh, you know, someone could say that they they've jumped the shark. Even one could say that. And, you know, it's an old <laughs> one should not. <laughs> one should not. Uh, I mean, that's actually not even like really a fair comparison. I do think the one the, the big thing about sharks, especially in comparison, is that it's really just a measure of like. Vikings versus everyone else. Vikings feels like they're most up to par currently with their reads on the meta and how the game's played and just how their overall tempo and 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 like you know how do they condition, how do they rotate, how do they set up a side hit. While Sharks feels far more one-dimensional. It feels like another Brazilian team that's sort of just like one of, of the many Brazilian teams that are filled with amazing fraggers move up and they they beat each other in ritual online valorant combat and become the new champion like sharks is just one of those faceless teams where like they were really good at what they do and they have a lot of good fraggers but they don't do anything that's meta defining they don't do anything that's really like innovative and is closer to in line to what we expect some of the top teams to be doing and they feel behind on the meta and that they didn't really touch astra or viper at all which are going to be very important agents in this upcoming event um yeah so i'm just not i just overall when sharks play they felt very one-dimensional and like that old brazilian style and not like they had broken out of that box mm. to me i i i see where you're coming from there as well i do think though that the, the main reason sharks was actually able to win is that they're able to absorb aggression from these other teams and and that's a key factor that a lot of the other teams in Brazil haven't quite yet figured out is that when people are running these crazy aggressive hits on you how do you play correctly with your counter utility to stop the side hit and to be able to set yourself up for an advantage in that fight? And that, I do think Sharks have figured out that portion of their game. Um, it just doesn't really work against Vikings because Vikings don't play a fast game themselves that much. So it's, it's good stylistically against Furia, against Gamelanders. And they were able to, they've been able to beat Gamelanders a bunch recently. They were always their kryptonite, even when yep. Sharks weren't quite as good and Gamelanders were on top. And uh, yeah, recently with, um, with Fury as well, they squeaked out that qualifier game over them, despite the fact that Fury were up 8-0 on the final map. So yeah, they, I think they've got, they've got something, but they're not as complete of a team, right? Um, to me, the story of Sharks is that they, they are unknowns. They are very much circling the depths. They don't really have that many star... Uh, star talents either. I think the number one person you would point to is Prozin. Um, I think he is the guy that they kind of live or die by, even though 
I don't even know, but maybe by ACS, Gabashis might be their best player, their Jet. But I think whenever I think about their firepower, it's Prozin is the guy that normally gets stuff done. Um, outside of that, yeah, this, this feels like just kind of a second chance for Brazil or just seeing it's a bit of a punt, a bit of a dark horse kind of pick. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't, yeah, the, this team doesn't have a, a very compelling style that they currently play or, or a key, key thing to latch onto, in my opinion, Bala. Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, I think that this team is more like what everybody expects from Brazil. Okay. You know, where they, they have these fast, very aggressive rounds that can that can switch you or uh, can mess you up. I think in terms of, yeah, you know what? I, I would say that their tempo uh, adjustments are probably the best out of any team here in Iceland. Now, is that something that takes you to a tier one? No, it's not. Not at all. Because... Tempo adjustments are something that people can handle, and for the most part, it's just good to have in your in your kit. Like Sentinels is a team that is kind of heralded as something like that, but I don't yep. think it's like a full team type of effort. It's just like one person bringing up the pace or or whatnot. So, yeah, I think that you can expect that for sure. And outside of that, you're right. I think kind of one dimensional. It's not like they don't. It's not like a Vision Strikers where they don't have. Map, like map control fundamentals, they don't have conditioning fundamentals, like all of that stuff is still there from Sharks. They know how to play the game uh, to a high level, but not necessarily to, to the top level of like Sentinels or, or Vikings, um, especially. Sure. Um, you brought up, Avast, their meta kind of struggles, I guess I want to say, because they haven't really adapted to the new meta whatsoever. Brazil as a region is lagging behind a little bit. In a similar way to like CIS and Turkey were as well, actually, if we think about the EMA finals, um, that both of those regions, despite the success of Gambit and uh, to some extent the success of Oxygen as well, they, they weren't they weren't really playing what is considered to be the best stuff to play right now. And I feel like that's the same for Sharks too. You just saw their comp on Ascent, uh, sorry, on Haven where they're playing the, the Phoenix, the Jet, and the Omen, which is like, okay, that's very default, very standard for the dawn of time when it's come to uh, Haven. And then they do implement the Viper when it comes to Bind. That is the one area where they're starting to branch into it. But I don't yeah. think they look great there either. It's like they know what they should be running, but they don't quite know how to do it. Um, yeah. They did yeah, the classic like, wall crew. into showers, like play that all like all the early vipers when you start seeing a lot of play they just like wall showers every round only wall on showers we saw that like a lot yeah um who who are your key players to watch if sharks are going to go on some monster dark horse run who's going to power them there what do they need to do in order to have success at iceland i think it has to be gavish uh, their jet and also the player who plays viper on bind um Every, every game I watched of them, it felt like sometimes it was just him versus the other, like, pop-off player on right. the other team. And he was just literally willing them through through matches or th through certain maps. It wasn't all the time. Some of the other times it was Prozen and, and um, was their other duo. Oh, yeah, Gavish, I guess, oh, as Prozen well. Prozen and Gavish yeah. was also their <laughs> Viper player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so I think that's an obvious one. But for me, the other guy is actually Light, their okay. only player. I think if he sticks on Omen, it's definitely something that I'm I'm like, I think that he has some of the better TPs, like the, the ways that he's actually cutting distance and cutting and breaking up setups uh, than anybody. Like he's actually like aggressively TPing into certain places um, 
and taking taking that space also his old usage as well consistent like getting into the site not not messing up getting into the site in a place that will mess up the other team like they have to turn around type of thing and that forces a lot a lot of pressure i would i would watch him he has the potential to really get a multi kills left and right um yeah light for sure okay what are you who are you looking at Avast? I mean, What's the keys to victory? He, he, in he stole all my picks. He stole okay. my picks. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I agree with it. I feel like it's because Sharks, I, I guess, to, to be a slightly more nuanced, I do agree with your take, Josh, in that Sharks, they're not as Brazilian as, let's say, like in terms of their gameplay that we've seen in the past as, like, let's say, Fury or Gamelanders. They are a little bit more nuanced, right? But they still live or die often by their duelist. Sure, um, yes. I, I agree with that, so, definitely. And so, like... Gabush and, and Prozen are kind of the driving force behind them. But I think Bo I think Bola actually highlighted a good player, which is Light, in that like Light does have good, very strong moments on Omen. But the problem is once again, like we've only really ever seen Light play Omen. Um and like what is that gonna bode for them as we go deeper into Iceland and teams have had more time to get even better at Astra and better at comboing Astra with Viper? Or even just like I mean, even some of the European teams where they're willing to drop like Brimstone. Sure. Viper, yeah. Right. And do some crazy <laughs> shit with that. Right. So there is so there's um there is a meta worry, I think, with light while Gabish and Prozen is a little they're slightly more meta resistant because like Gabish already plays Viper and uh Prozen's just like their duelist player. So I think it's yeah. really down to those two. To me, the, one of the serious keys to victory as well is just that they improve while they're at Iceland. Not necessarily, mm -hmm. I'm not just going to say the, the nebulous just get better, but what I mean specifically is adapt to the current meta and start to implement some of that by playing against the other teams and figuring out what they need to change and what they need to add to their game. And also improve yeah. their map pool because the number one thing that strikes fear into my heart when I think about trying to support Sharks or predict them over a team like Newton, who they're facing right at the beginning, I'd love to say Sharks are the better team, Newton looking a bit readable, maybe Sharks can get the win. Their map pool is, is poor. It is poor. They have... An excellent haven that they've been able to get some serious win streaks on, though it's probably not ready for the tier one level yet. It's just that they've been able to beat the other Brazilian teams on that. But I, I still feel like the the next level in terms of Astra, Viper, even the the Sky kind of stuff is is yet to be kind of added to their repertoire. Um, and then on top of that, uh, what's the other map that they're good at? I think it's Ascent, isn't it? And they mm -hmm. basically, they they have like a 50% winner rate on bind and a 30% winner rate on icebox and they permaban split. So when you have such poor records on, on two out of four of the maps that you play, how are you going to be able to translate that into wins? How, and you have such a predictable permaban as well. They're just always setting themselves up for failure from the off because of their lack of preparation. And that in those two weeks that they've had to come into Iceland and do that serious prep, I want to see the improvements to their comps. I want to see um, an improvement to one of those maps that isn't so good for them. An improvement to their bind, a tweak to how they play it, not necessarily the comp, but how, how they work it and what areas of the map they're focusing on. And maybe like a, a, a tweak to their icebox, implementation of the Viper perhaps, and moving away from the Omen. Some more strategies revolving around the, how they take mid or defensive aggression. Something. I want to see something to latch onto to give me hope for sharks because otherwise i think it could be an early exit for them yeah and the shitty part is like they 
built all this time up to getting towards Iceland. I feel like they were they were focused on that so much that they only have two weeks, right? Cool. And I agree with you. They need to make changes, but that's almost detrimental at this point because yeah. there's just not enough time to really work it. Like a, a four maps, basically, if they continue to permaban split, what? like it's just not enough yeah. time. What What are your expectations? Where do you think this this team should be? Above the the C and Japanese team, and and that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's about where I'm feeling. Like, I mean, I could see a a universe where Sharks beats like new version one. Okay. Like with their with their substitute player, like I could see Sharks maybe like catching people off guard or or maybe yeah. refining their play a bit and catching version one. But I don't see them beating any top what we what we are predicting to be top teams like the European squads or Vikings, um, or Sentinels. Yeah. It's like, but there is a chance they could be like in the mid tier, um, above version one. Right. For sure. Yeah. Or, or even yeah. crew. I, I do think they have upset potential on uh, version one, Fnatic and Liquid. Not okay. Sentinels. Why are you Fnatic and Liquid? I, I think, well, not necessarily like specifically targeting Fnatic and Liquid, but I think that Sentinels is too strong against a style like them because they right. already went through FaZe. And some of the stuff that FaZe does is basically, I think that this is like a higher level FaZe, honestly. Okay. Um, but... Liquid and Fnatic, I mean, it's just such a different style. I mean, I, I think I, I would retract maybe because of how, how many random aggressive teams there have been in uh, Europe popping up, especially the one that, you know, Fnatic lost to Ballista and, and uh, yeah, Wave yeah. as well, that some of these teams have kind of, you know, they struggled with during stage one, but they fixed their issues there. I still think that's a very strong possibility of them you know, not having it fully. So it's like okay. those two are on the edge. Version one, I think, is version one goes toe to toe with teams like that all the time, but it's always scrappy. That's why I think that it's still there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, in my head, I've got them somewhere on like sixth, seventh, eighth, depending on whether or not they improve when it comes to Iceland and, and just the mm -hmm. variability of like whether other teams turn up on the day. But I think when we looked at the bracket, we predicted them to go out in ninth slash 10th just because of the opponents that they were facing because they face a lot of those middle-of-the-pack teams immediately. They they yeah. face... Uh, who do they face at the beginning? They're probably... They're, yeah, they face Newton, and then they're probably going to face Crew if they if they lose that game. And uh, yeah, those are both kind of middle-of-the-pack teams as well that they have a chance of beating, but they're probably not favored in those games. Um, all right, let's move on to talking about crew then as well, because this is the real the real dark horse pick here, because this this team a lot of people had no expectations for. It's a Latam team. The Latam uh, region is tiny. There's two Latam regions actually. There's North and there's South. And just to set a bit of the scene, I I know that a lot of the North American teams, especially tier two kind of teams, were scrimming some Latam North teams just to see how good they were. You know, the ping difference isn't enormous. You can get games against them. And from from those reports, and it is just scrim bucks, but the the strength level of those teams appeared to be like tier three. Like the best teams in LATAM were like tier three teams in North America. People like, uh, I think the person I was talking to referred to them as like being a bit like ghost gaming. Like the best teams yeah. in LATAM North were like ghost gaming. And we're talking best teams in LATAM North are like Infinity right now, yeah. who uh, crew played against in the finals here. So yeah, I think that's, was that was the Cloud expectation. Wise, coach? What, sorry? Uh, sorry, I, I think it was like Cloud9 White's coach, Dream, was like talking a lot about the Latin North right, teams right. and 
and yeah that was the same type of feeling that i got i got from him but i, I haven't deeply deeply watched this region except yes. for you know these yeah. two top teams and i don't think many people have deeply deeply watched latam either because it's not a region that gets very much viewership it's not a region that gets an english broadcast it's not yeah. i mean it's not a region that has been better than the closest other region of brazil either so if you're going to follow some teams in south america you're probably going to follow brazil because you expect them to be better um but Sassy and Sadhack, when they were on our show, said crew are an exception to that rule. They are really a lot better than the other LATAM teams. And they even said that if crew had been playing in Brazil, they would have qualified ahead of Sharks, which I found to be a very bold claim at the time. Having reviewed some of their games, we, I mean, I was sold by that claim, honestly. Yeah. I think that they do look pretty legit and a good step above um, the rest of the LATAM teams. So this is now... This is like a real diamond in the rough kind of team. They are an, an unpolished gem that haven't been battle tested against that many teams in matches, but they've had scrim experience against Brazil. And they're looking like a real, like, uh, if you're interested in following teams before they're cool, if you're one of those <laughs> people that loves posting in the forums about like some team that you're like, you, you, you probably don't know anything about them but I know they're good. Then cruise your kind of team to try and support, I think. Who could be the next Vision Strikers? They could be the next Vision Strikers <laughs> uh -huh. right there. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys agree? I feel like that is the narrative around crew. They're like the, 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 I, I really the cool like team the to know that you rough. don't know. Yeah, I really like the diamond in the rough. Like, to, to be honest, I, I am kind of ignorant about um, non-Brazilian, you know, Latin American esports scenes, but like... Especially the North, Latam North, I know for sure plays like a lot of console, like Gears of War type stuff. Right, right. Um, but I, I'm very ignorant when it comes to CS and and that maybe it's because they haven't been good, um, mm. or I'm just I'm just an idiot. But like I think it's really cool to see a team come out uh, from from that region and actually look pretty good. The sure. funny part, like the we're getting scrimbucks from two different continents. Like we're getting scrimbucks from North America for Latam North, and then we got the 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 guys who are scrimming Latam South in Brazil yeah. who are telling us about it too. So it's just like so so interesting. The two different yeah. hemispheres. I think um, it would have been a terrible look for South America in general if the team from Latam North had won. If Infinity had won, and the teams mm -hmm. from North America are saying, "Well, we've scrimmed against them and they're crap." And the Brazilian teams, are, and, and they beat Crew, who the Brazilian teams are saying are good. That, like, transitive property seems to, seems to look very bad for the Brazilian teams as well. But that isn't what happened. Crew came out and they clapped Infinity. Apart from yeah. the one map that they look really shaky on, which is Bind, they won all the rest, and they were pretty comfortable. I think they won, like, 13-1 on Split as the final map, and they're, like, trolling and trying to get a knife kill on them on one of the other maps as well. <laughs> they're, like, they are head and shoulders above the, the other teams in their region. They only dropped two maps in their entire run throughout yeah. the Latin America qualifier. So, I mean, they are dominant. I would say that they're more dominant than Vikings are in Brazil or Sentinels are in North America. Uh, or New Turn are in Korea. You know they they are so far ahead of the rest of the pack. When I was when I was looking and judging by the stats and that kind of stuff, and and how dominant the map wins were, even over the next best teams in their region. I think they're by far the out of all the teams from the minor regions, because I don't really count Brazil as a minor region. Um, no. Yeah. In that like they are the team that has the most potential in sure. in Iceland by far. Like they they look like they could actually 
take some games off of some like whether it be the not just the brazilian teams but even like maybe even like one of the one of the other better squads we'd expect like one of the top three of like the two european teams and sentinels you know yeah sure sure i i think one one thing that's cool um about crew um in general is that like they have a hard path but they're still one of those those teams that have the opportunity to go through um which is you know there's there's two sides of the coin like if they do it then it's insane if they don't then it's like eh, we don't really know truly because they have <laughs> such a difficult path i mean one do. thing on the one more thing on the regions before we move on is they usually you could use like historical context to like kind of tell you how good the region is and if a team goes through a region and kind of struggles on the way there, like, for example, some of the teams we'll talk about when we get to Asia, um, then you can kind of tell, like, they're probably on that regional level. They're probably not as good as the others. But if there is a team that is this dominant in their region, no matter what, you can't really tell the relative level. Yes, so I think yeah, that's yeah. kind of where you are at with crew because Definitely. they did so well moving through their, their region. Yeah, when I was watching the VODs of crew, I felt like I couldn't tell what their ceiling was because they weren't yes. being challenged. They weren't being tested properly. And so it's easy to tell that they're dunking on teams that are worse than them. But if they came up against a team that played this situation a little better or didn't overpeak this situation or made a better information play or had a trap play here, how do they deal with it when they're actually challenged? I think that's a, a serious question that needs to be asked of of crew coming into Iceland and whether they can hang with teams that are a lot better than them. And that's that's the case for a lot of teams that are the top of their region. Is like, how do, how do they actually match up against better, stronger teams? Um, from the sound of it, in scrims, well, if you believe the yeah. Brazilian teams that they're playing against. The other thing about the region as well, though, is that they have Argentinian players um, that... And we know that Argentinian players have been very good in Valorant 2. There's Noswa, who's an absolute beast, who plays for Furia and plays Sova. There's also Sadhak, too, who is the IGL and is um, a very good Sentinel player with great aim, who plays for um, who plays for Vikings as well, and who will be playing at Iceland. So the, the two Argentinians, I think it's two Argentinian players on crew. I think it's yeah, Klaus and somebody Klaus. else. BNJ and Klaus. Yeah, All uh, right, okay, BNJ. Um, yeah, I, I think that you know they're already coming from a, a country where they they showcase talent in in like a bigger region too. So it's not mm -hmm. like um, it's not like a big fish in a small pond thing exactly. The other cool thing about Klaus, their Sentinel player too, who is probably one of the better players on this team, is that he used to be an Overwatch player. He used to be... Oh, is uh, this the same Klaus? I was wondering is, about yeah. that, actually. I didn't know that was the same Klaus. This is the same Klaus that played for the Boston huh. Academy team. So if any of you guys are Overwatch fans, this is somebody who's been grinding out in the Overwatch scene for a long time. A little like Patapan, who plays um, over for the X10. SEA team, X10 as well. But Padipan was too young. Klaus was from a region that didn't really provide that many opportunities. He was on really good teams. He got onto an academy team for one of the Overwatch League teams in the Tier 2 scene. But he was never quite able to make it. But he was a very skilled hitscan player. And I'm, I'm really excited to follow his journey in Valorant too because it looks like he's on a team that could do a little bit of damage here. Um, yeah. So I think that's like a cool little add-in for anyone yeah. who's been following that scene as well. Who are some of your other players to watch? If, you, if you're saying, all right, I've never watched Crew before. I love the idea of following a dark horse through this tournament, a team that no one's going to expect to win. 
Who is the power player for this team? Who are the power players? Mm, uh, you know, I actually, I was actually pretty impressed with, because I actually have to go back and check because I, it's been, I haven't seen enough of the team to remember them all off the top of my head, right? It's like, I still have to go and look at, okay, what's the roster yeah, yeah. again? Yeah. But uh, I, I actually really like their raise player, B&J. Okay. I think B&J, uh, he has some good, he, but I feel like it's a kind of default, but the thing is his movement is really solid. Uh, actually, like he's got great movement. I feel like his positioning is really good because a lot of times, like if you compare it to some of the other raised players we're going to see from the other regions, like most specifically like Munchkin from like uh, Crazy Raccoon, and sometimes it feels like they're just fragging. They've just flipped the switch and they're just kind of just taking duels and going for fights and they're not really ever setting up themselves or their teammates with their utility. And that's such an important part of raise is actually how much value you get out of raise raises utility and the movement and the space you can create from that. Um, yeah. And B&J actually feels like they have a really good grasp of, you know, where am I going to take this position with my debt packs? And in addition, like, how am I going to force people off angles with the nades and let my teammates like clean, like trade off me or let me trade off those nades. Right. Yeah. Um, while I feel like at other times when you look at players that are playing like raise or duels in general, in some of these smaller regions, they're kind of just orc braining and just like taking <laughs> fights. Sure. I, I think that's one of the reasons why crew is like nine and one at the moment on split because BNJ gets to swap off from the silver to the raise. And the guy is, yeah, I think his raise is a really big reason why they're so good on split. Um, I think his Sova looks pretty good, but he can really flex those muscles a lot more when he's able to play the raise for them. Um, so yeah, okay, good play to watch. Bala, you got one? Um, yeah, I, I do, but I do also want to note that like when you watch this team, nobody really, really, really stands out because it feels like every other round it's a different player getting a multi-kill. Oh. Like okay. a, a completely different player getting well a multi-kill. But yeah, the the one player I uh, really, really liked watching was Nags, um, especially okay. when he played Sage. I believe it was on Haven that he was playing Sage. Um, I just thought the stuff that the, the positions that he was getting himself in while still being efficient on Sage was really, really cool. Like up close and personal, like getting into it, right close double doors and stuff like that. Like he was very nasty in that spot. And he has a wide... All these guys have flexibility on their agents. Like they you do, go to yeah. the, that series, it's like three of their guys are playing three different agents, and the other two are playing two different agents. Which reminiscent of Fnatic, reminiscent of Liquid. I don't think we have made that comparison yet, but they they do feel like an EU team uh, yeah. at its core because of how often they're swapping the different uh, comps. Yeah, and that's a great point. They do they they've straight up using they're straight up using the same compositions but with different tweaks to the top yeah. European teams. If you look at them here and they're playing on uh, Haven, this is the comp that they used to run before they swapped. So this was them when they were playing in their regional final. But when they played their qualifier game to be able to get to Iceland, they swapped away from this, what I would consider to be very basic standard Haven comp. And they brought out the liquid version, the zero duelist, and they added an Astra into the mix as well. So instead of everybody talking about, oh, well, why does Link play Brim here? The Brimstone yeah. in the meta, that's so odd. Or they're like, well, fuck it. We'll just have our cake and eat it too. We'll play the Liquid comp and we'll <laughs> play the Astra. And Delzic looked really good on the Astra. So yeah, Haven's, Haven's been a map that they've been okay at with this composition. And now they've showcased that they can be really good with that Zero Duelist comp too. When it, when it comes to Bind, which is a map that they struggle at a little bit, they're running the Fnatic composition, which is, you know, extraordinarily strong uh, with the Sky, with the Viper, with the Brimstone as well. Um, 
it's I don't think it's been it, it feels like oh, an shit. evolution in progress for their bind it has yeah. definitely been their weakest map and I would expect them to ban it but yeah when they go to their other maps as well Viper Mazino moves from playing Sage and and picks up the uh picks up the Viper for them which I think is a a, a great move for for that I think that that's um somewhere where he can really excel and get a lot of success so yeah this is this is a team that plays a lot of cool stuff they've got a, a good depth to themselves and they don't they're, they're really i don't think it would be fair to say that they're behind the times if anything they look like yeah. one of the teams from south america that's trying to do the most i think like when we talk about how sharks needs to 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 innovate a little bit and get up get caught up i think that crew actually did a fantastic job switching right before uh, Iceland, where they are ready on certain maps. I mean, some of the other ones are still running some standard stuff. Like, we can't, like, on Split, for example, on Ascent, it's, yeah, yeah they've added Sage, um, which, you know, has become meta in a lot of different regions, but they've they've caught up on at least three maps, and the rest of them, they're, they're still like, mm, what, is, what is the idea? How do we actually implement something new? And I think that they'll do that within the two weeks. Like, I still yeah. think there is some room to, to improve. I think they're kind of, like, in the same position as Vikings, except with more revolutionary stuff on the, the the maps that they've really gone for the meta yeah one of the reasons that i made the comparison to european teams as well is that when they play the sage on split and on ascent which yeah it's not revolutionary there's a lot of teams that do that and they're not really adding the the astra too much or doing anything crazy but they do these like really nice defensive uh, aggressive defense sage walls where they'll push out B main on split and wall it off like heretics did at first strike. And they'll do the same in A main and they'll do the, uh, the, the wall in B main when it comes to ascent as well. And so they're really trying to be proactive and get, get value out of that, get information out of that when it breaks, create timings for themselves to go and monitor other areas of the map. They're not just, they're not just uh, orc brain, as Avast said, and throwing <laughs> down all of their utility in the same spot as soon as uh, the, the, the opponent attacks. What do, you, what do you guys reckon the expectations are here? Crew, I find it quite difficult to pin them down and be like, this is what I expect. But what, what are you guys thinking? You look at the bracket, see their run. They've got an extraordinarily difficult run if they're trying to make it through the upper. Yeah, I don't think they make it through upper. I think upper, they're, they're, they're going to have to make a lower bracket run is the thing. It would be a If they beat Fnatic in that first match, fucking the Latin South guys are about to go fucking crazy man like that's that would be nuts uh, i would yeah. go crazy but i don't think it's going to be likely that they make it out of upper simply because you have to play fanatic first and then sentinels and then if you make it even further then you have to play probably vikings yeah so it's like god what a hard yeah. run but i think they could legitimately have like when you look at what the lower bracket's going to probably end up being they could have a decent lower bracket run um i feel like if they're on the other side of the bracket they could have had a pretty deep like run in this tournament but because they started out in the the other side of the bracket of death it's gonna be hard for them yeah. um best case scenario i would have put them i would have honestly put them like above sharks but because of the run they have to make i wouldn't be surprised if they finish below sharks yeah. simply because of the run I mean, you know? I think they'll actually end up facing they'll they'll end up facing the loser of Shark's new turn. Oh yeah, I guess um, that's true. So yeah. they they will have a direct chance to to overtake potentially Sharks if they lose that game, or mm -hmm. or new turn if they're there. I think the crew 
Personally, I think Crew is the fifth best team here. That's my that's my feeling from this. It's very hard to pin down because they do just kind of shit on their region and they don't have those close games where you can see their flaws. So perhaps mm -hmm. I'm overrating them here. But I think outside of the top four of, you know, Fnatic, Liquid, Sentinels, Vikings... Crew, to me, feels like the team that looks the best, especially with version 1 being weakened by their emergency sub. I feel pretty good about these guys, and the run that they're going to have to make, they could beat Sharks on new turn if they get knocked down yeah. to the lower. They can beat version 1, because that would be their next opponent, assuming that version 1 beat Crazy Raccoon and lose to Liquid. If Liquid end up down there, uh, okay, something weird has happened and maybe they end up getting eliminated. But yeah, I could see Crew beating version one. And at that point, you essentially are like the fifth best team. You've made it to that level of the tournament. So I, I'm i I'm feeling pretty decent about Crew. I'm, I'm on the Crew stonks. I'm yeah. buying. I, I, dude, I think depending on what I see in that first game, I, I, would, I would be on board with, with that too. But I just think they have such a difficult time. And I like the, the, their path, no matter what happens to them, like, it really, I mean, unless they pop off. If they lose pretty quickly, like, I don't even think that's, like, a bad result. I think they just got kind of unlucky in their first sure. international yeah. outing. Um, so, for me, I, I have them all over the place. Like, I, I think they could go for, a, like, a just based on what I'm th seeing, because of the unknownness of them, the variance is crazy. Like, they could go for maybe a top four, top three, but they could also bum out just because of the nature of, of where they're at um I, I do think they're exactly where you said like like fifth place maybe maybe they fall all the way to six because we really don't know but i i think that is accurate okay I'm... i think it's gonna be the battle of v1 versus crew for for that the, those that spot okay behind the I'm, top four. I'm interested also they seem like they were fine performing at a on-stage event Though I have, yeah. I've got to be honest, I have no idea what the experience of these guys is like when it comes to like line events or whether they've had success in previous stuff. I'd love for mm -hmm. people to do interviews with these guys if they end up being successful uh, when it comes to, to the event. Overall, what are your thoughts on South America's strength as a region coming into Iceland? If you're if you're trying to rank, you know, we, we've got our four regions that we've identified as Europe, North America, South America, Asia. How are you feeling? Where where are they overall? If you if we're talking about average strength coming into Iceland. Mm. Like so, this is crew and sharks and Vikings crew sharks of... Vikings all piled together. How do they match up against the other regions? Yeah, um, I think Brazil is really really strong, so it just boosts them up. I I honestly think that they might be better than than NA, um, but use the top. Okay, I think I yeah. said that last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd actually kind of especially because of the developments to version one and because crew is such a surprise. Like, if you take that collated strength of crew in Vikings, you could realistically make an argument that that's better overall than North America right now. Mm. You could definitely yeah. make that argument. Um, would I make that argument? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I would, simply because Sentinel seems like a juggernaut. And version 1, even with the player down, is probably still going to be pretty good, I'd imagine. Um, so, I don't think... I think they're, like, right there, though. I think okay. they're like right yeah. there. And if they have like a good land performance, then from here on out, I'm going to be like, yeah, fucking Brazil and Latam South better than NA, like 100%. <laughs> like if they have a good land performance. Like, I, I think it's, Europe it's just a is knife's edge. better, like straight up than yeah. everybody else. 
NA and, and Brazil, while I might rank like, or, or sorry, South America, I might rank South America as like slightly higher than NA. I, they're, they're even. Like, Essentially equivalent. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. The, 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 the tier two NA teams are probably worse than the, the second tier, but like there's not as many second tier uh, okay. South America teams, whereas there's a fuckload of yes, second yeah, tier yeah. NA yeah, teams. There's much more depth in North America. Uh, well, mm -hmm. I mean, they're also, South America's cheating by sending three teams. And uh, North America got to send one plus four players out of their second place. So that's, that's, that's not exactly a fair comparison, I suppose, as well. All right, sweet. That's your region recap for South America coming into Iceland. Masters of Reykjavik just around the corner. But while you're watching this, it is literally only days away. Uh, so strap in, get ready. And I hope you've learned a little bit about what South America might be able to do when it comes to the bracket. We'll see you next time for our Asia recap. Ooh.